Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help. From fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Good morning, Birdland. I'm Mark Brown. I've been blogging about the Orioles for more than a decade on CamdenChat.com and waiting for them to win the World Series for my whole life. Thanks for listening today. Let's talk some Orioles. It is June the 9th, 2023. The Orioles are now 38-24 and 24 after avoiding being swept by beating the Brewers 6-3 on Thursday afternoon, staging a late-inning comeback. I certainly did not expect it, and in avoiding that sweep, the Orioles have continued a streak where they have not been swept since they lost three straight games in Detroit May 13th to 15th of 2022. So it has now been more than a full season worth of games since the Orioles have last been swept. Let's knock on wood and hope that continues. The Orioles are six and a half games back of the Tampa Bay Rays, who won once again on Thursday in the American League East. They are about the same distance out of first place as they are above last place as the currently last place Boston Red Sox entered Thursday's game Uh, 13 and a half games back of first place. So they are seven games back of the Orioles, and that will swing a half game in either direction, depending on whether the Red Sox win or lose. I'm recording before that occurs. The Yankees in third place are closing on the Orioles. They are now within three games, but the Orioles themselves, they're on pace for 99 wins. That's a pretty good pace. I'm still taking the under, but you know, it's it's fun to see the Orioles have now played 62 games and they're on pace for 99. I am certainly plenty happy about that. I'm a bit less happy that they've gone four and five through the first nine games of the 18 game not gauntlet uh, that I hoped they would be able to go at least 10 and eight through that stretch of games. So they're going to need to 
win every series uh, that remains or, you know, sweep one, if, even if they lose uh, one of the others in order to achieve that result. It's certainly doable. The 2023 Orioles are a pretty good team. They have their problems, but they are also have a lot of things going for them, which is why they've been able to win as many games as they have and why they continue to exceed their Pythagorean expected win-loss record. They are now five wins above the quote-unquote expected record. And, you know, one reason why they're five games above that is because Thursday's game that they ended up winning was the exact kind of game that the Orioles would have lost in recent, much worse seasons. They were able to pull out the win and avoid the complete tailspin, even though the offense has not been very good lately. That goes beyond just when Cedric Mullins got hurt, but that certainly hasn't helped any of their issues. I mean, in Thursday's game, too, it could have very easily been a loss. They were four outs away from losing because the offense was not good against Brewers starting pitcher Colin Rhea, who uh, entered the game with, I believe, a 4.94 ERA. Not the kind of guy you want to stink against. But the Orioles did not score while Rhea was in the game. He pitched five shutout innings. He struck out, uh, I think it was eight batters. So, you know, it's one thing when it was Corbin Burns on Wednesday night, the two years away from when he won the Cy Young Award for the National League in 2021. And you could understand, even though Burns hasn't been as great so far this year, it's like, okay, a a recent former Cy Young winner looked like his Cy Young form. Okay, can accept that, right? But... You know, when it's when it's Colin Rhea, I mean, come on, that was frustrating. But the Orioles were able to mount the late inning rally. It was um, capped by, well, there was more to it beyond. But the, the big hit was Gunnar Henderson getting a two-run go-ahead homer to flip a 3-2 to two deficit to a 4-3 to three victory. And that was doubly important since Henderson needed to deliver some redemption in the game after being a big part of why the Orioles gave up the three runs in the first inning. After all, even now, it's hours after it happened, and I'm still kind of flabbergasted by the first inning play. If you weren't watching, you're lucky. And if you were, you're probably scratching your head about it too. Um, After starting pitcher Kyle Bradish walked a leadoff batter, Kristen Yelich, the uh, next batter was Willie Adamas, and he hit a ground ball that was just up the middle to the shortstop side of the second base bag. And Gunnar Henderson was playing shortstop in the Thursday game. And he moved to field it. And for some reason, he just never made the final effort. It would have probably taken a little bit of a dive to get there. And he just, he didn't do it. I don't know why. It was almost like he thought Adam Frazier was going to be getting it instead, even though it was on the shortstop side of second base. Uh, I don't know if he was worried that nobody was going to be at second base, if he dove for the ball. I I still don't know. It was weird, and it was very frustrating. And Bradish really had some problems after that. I think that play could have been maybe a highlight reel 6-4-3 double play, or if nothing else, they could have at least gotten an out at first base. And the inning probably would have gone better after that if uh, they had at least been able to get one out on that play. But they didn't. I I don't know what it was about. I don't have to be as mad about it because the Orioles ended up winning the game. After taking the lead, they had uh, 
Keegan Aiken stayed on for one more batter to face a lefty, and he got out his lefty. Yenier Cano got two batters retired to finish off the eighth, and Felix Bautista nearly flawless in the ninth inning. He did give up one base hit. That guy reached second base on a wild pitch, but since the Orioles had a three-run cushion, the runner on base never mattered, and Bautista struck out the final two batters he faced to secure his 16th save of the season. And by the way, one fun fact about Felix Bautista that you already know if you read my recap of the game on CamdenChat.com yesterday, Bautista striking out those two batters in one inning, that meant his strikeouts per nine innings for the season actually went down because going into Thursday's game, he had an 18.6 strikeouts per nine. So getting two in one inning was quote-unquote only an 18.0. So, you know, Felix Bautista, he's he's had some problems, but that's pretty freaking amazing for the strikeouts. And, you know, one, one other key hit in the game went when Anthony Santander snapped an 0-for-25 streak. He was 0-0-0 all the way across the uh, batting line triple slash during that 25 at-bat hitless streak. He didn't have any walks either. So he got the hit. It was an RBI uh, double that gave, that scored the Orioles' second run of the game. So that's good. Santander, of course, uh, is still mired in a 1-for-27 slump, even though he broke the over. So there's still more to be done about that, but pretty good uh, to have it finally be broken. So uh, with Kyle Bradish going back and forth, with Dean Kramer having a 4.89 ERA, and questions of whether... Cole Irvin, who I'm assuming is going to be up to make the Saturday start for the Orioles, although they haven't officially announced it yet. I think that's because they don't like to announce these things well ahead of time when the guy isn't even on the roster yet, because that means somebody's in the locker room wondering, am I getting option tomorrow? And probably someone is. I don't know who yet. So, I mean, the rotation needs help. And, um, One thing I wanted to look at in this episode is kind of look back on some of the last season free agent starting pitchers and look at how they've been doing this season to see whether they would have been signings that would have been better to be in the Orioles rotation or not. Now, there's three that I'm going to point out who I highlighted in the very first episode of this podcast and a couple more that were more um, aspirational dreams that I never actually believed the Orioles would or maybe even should sign. And the reason why I wanted the Orioles to sign a more significant free agent starting pitcher than Kyle Gibson is very simple. I think that the time to add to payroll is over the now and two years after this, before the Orioles start getting bigger expenses from like Adley Rutschman being in arbitration or even guys like Austin Hayes and Cedric Mullins hitting later years of their arbitration. And so there's room, I think, to have added a starting pitcher, maybe in like the 17 million per year to 21 million per year uh, average annual average value range, maybe for three years, maybe for four years. So that they would be around. Hopefully they'd be helping the next few years of good Orioles. And then they'd clear off the books when it was time to start paying bigger money to the prospects who've already debuted and the prospects who we are hoping will soon debut and secure positions in the Orioles of the very near future. So here's the guys that I was talking about. On my list of three was Taiwan Walker, who received four years and $72 million from the Philadelphia Phillies. Jamison Tyone, who got four years and $87 million from the Chicago Cubs. 
and Chris Bassett, who received three years and $63 million from the Toronto Blue Jays. And I also had my aspirational dreams where Justin Verlander, who ended up getting two years, $86 million and some change from the Mets, and Carlos Rodon, seven years, $162 million with the Yankees. So I'm going to go into each of these guys a little bit in detail. But basically, uh, on the whole, it's actually pretty good. The Orioles didn't sign the guys that were in that caliber. Taiwan Walker, he's got a 5.04 ERA with the Phillies so far, 5.06 FIP. So pretty much he's right about where he quote-unquote deserves to be. Concerning for me, he's averaging fewer than five innings pitched per game started. So like, what are you even doing? You're, you aren't helping the rotation much if you can't even average five innings pitched per. He's got a 4.1 walks per nine innings, which is nearly a 50% increase over the past two seasons that were his springboard into the contract he received. Tyone, much worse than that, a 7.02 ERA, although his FIP at 4.69, uh, 6.8, excuse me, is better. However, Tyone is even worse than Walker, averaging less than four and a third innings pitched per game started. His walk rate, while a little better at 3.2 per nine innings, is also nearly a 50% increase compared to what he had done the past two seasons with the Yankees that were the springboard for his contract. Chris Bassett, he's the one guy who's really done okay so far, more than okay. He's got a 3.29 ERA, maybe due for some regression with a 4.69 FIP, and that's because he's had crazy luck on his batting average on balls in play at a 209 when the league average this year is 295. So that's a huge gap. He is doing very well, though, with his results, a 1.012 whip. He is averaging about six and a third innings per game started this year. So that would have been a nice guy to be in the Orioles rotation, yes. It would have also cost them pick number 63 in the draft. Bassett was a qualifying offer, free agent. Um, You know, so, okay, that's one guy of the three I picked out. It would have been nice to sign. But I I think over the offseason, you really couldn't have guessed. You might have guessed, okay, one of these guys is going to struggle. But there wasn't really a sure sign of which one or even two were going to struggle. So, you know, do I hate that the Orioles didn't sign any of these guys? No, it was very frustrating at the time. But right now, the guys they might have splashed on, uh, you know, they're they're not helping their new teams. Well, two of the three of them aren't. And, you know, even Justin Verlander, high-priced, he started six games. He's got a 4.25 ERA. His strikeouts per nine innings, that's over a 20% decline compared to his recent success. And his walk rate, though still pretty good at 2.3 per nine innings, is about a 43% increase compared to what he was doing with Houston. And Carlos Rodon, he's yet to pitch. He had a forearm strain in spring training and then was battling a back injury. So only now, in early June, is he getting around to throwing sim games. So, I mean, that's crazy that even the big money guys, and, you know, I, I hope for Rodon. I think the Orioles needed to sign a big lefty, and they ended up trading for Cole Irvin. That hasn't exactly worked out. But the one guy they did sign, Kyle Gibson, you can't complain about that. He got one year and $10 million from the Orioles, 3.87 ERA so far, a 3.95 FIP, so he's right about in his quote-unquote expected. He's averaging more than five and two-thirds innings pits per game started. BABIP isn't about in line with his career. He's seriously cut his home runs per nine innings, probably because of Baltimore. So, you know, he came to the right place, and he's getting the good results, and I was uh, not expecting to be happy about that signing. 
I, it, you know, it could certainly still go into the tank the last four months, but he's done exactly what you could have hoped that he would have done so far. So that was a nice signing. I didn't, I didn't expect to be saying that in March, and I hope that I will still be saying it in September. I will be right back after a message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you have an Orioles opinion you want to share or ask me a question for a future episode of the podcast, you can email camdencastpod at gmail.com. Thank you to everyone who has written in so far. Before we wrap up, I'm going to go over the prospect of the episode. I'm actually going to touch on two guys today. They are both uh, players who were very recent international signees. That's from my composite top Orioles prospect list on CamdenChat.com. Number 26, Leandro Arias. And number 27, the tie for number 27 was outfielder Braylon Tavera. And these were two players the Orioles signed just last year, the 2022 January 15 class. Each of these guys was 16 years old when they signed, and each is now 18 years old as they were both born in February of 2005. Yes, all of us are old and getting older. Okay, so... Arias and Tavera have each been assigned to the Florida Complex League after playing in the Dominican Summer League last year. Tavera received a then-team record $1.7 million signing bonus by the Orioles when they signed him last year, and Arias received $600,000 as a bonus. So he wasn't a seven-figure guy, but still pretty significant signing. Um, Tavera, he's listed as the number 23rd Orioles prospect on the MLB Pipeline uh, Orioles list. They said about him, among other things, quote, 
Tavera is a right-handed hitter with a smooth, effortless swing, and he has good bat-to-ball skills that complement a solid approach and sound fundamentals. His lean and athletic build produces emerging power that projects as a plus tool if his body continues to develop. He's already one of the fastest players in the system. Defensively, Tavera profiles in center field with a strong chance to stick at the position. End quote. So, I mean, all that sounds pretty good, right? You know, give a guy $1.7 million at age 16. You certainly hope there's good things to say about him. And, I mean, there was plenty about him. It's not like the Orioles just gave him money for the fun of it. He was... uh, as much as any you know ranking can be made uh, independently ahead of time before the signing class, I think he was in the top 25 of names. So good job for the Orioles getting him. His 2022 stats in the Dominican Summer League, he batted 243 with a 411 on base percentage, 319 slugging percentage over 47 games. So you know that's pretty good propensity for getting on base for a young player. You can see where they're hoping for the power to develop more because only seven of his 35 hits went for extra bases but he walked nearly 20% of the time. So now he's in the Florida Complex League, and good luck to him there. Uh, Arias was actually the number 17 Orioles prospect on the Fangraphs ranking, and he was number 12 on their list last year, which I find very puzzling and also remarkable for a player who had next to no or even no last year pro track record, but they really like something about his tools. And here's what they had to say about him in their list before this season. Quote, one of the more highly ranked international amateurs from the signing class of 2022 because of his glove, switch hitting feel for contact, and projectable frame. The skills foundation presented is the sort that might break out if he starts getting stronger. He should be considered one of the best long-range prospects in the system. His physicality is the key variable to watch, end quote. So Arias, the 2022 stats for him, also in the Dominican Summer League, he batted 217 with a 344 on base percentage and a 306 slugging percentage over 46 games played. And he stole 10 bases. So you can see some speed there. You can see, again, good on base skills and uh, not a very good slugging percentage. So still waiting to see if any power develops, as they said, is physicality is the thing to keep an eye on. And not for nothing, but not for everything either, uh, Arias hit two home runs literally yesterday in the second game of the Florida Complex League season as part of a three-hit day. So good job for him. I don't think that is the final word about whether his strength has in fact arrived or not. But I mean, if he is uh, somehow able to show more power, then he probably will not spend terribly long time with Florida Complex League and could find his way up to the low A Delmarva full season affiliate level for the end of the minor league season. We'll see what ends up happening with him. There is a long way to go. These guys are both very young. If they were U.S. high schoolers, they would only be draft eligible next month. So, you know, they're already in the system. They've already got one rookie level, foreign rookie level, the Dominican Summer League season under their belts. They're going to have, you know, a month plus of Florida Complex League under their belts even before this year's American 18-year-olds get drafted. So good for them. Uh, it's, It's just weird following guys this far down because basically like a modestly successful outcome for them would be a level every year, I think. So if they spent all of this year Florida Complex League Next year, low A, they'd be 19-year-olds at Delmarva, 20-year-olds at Aberdeen, 21-year-olds at Bowie, 
22 year olds at Norfolk and then in 20 their 20 age 23 seasons make it to Major League Baseball if they did a level per year that would set them up to debut in 2028. So think for a second back five years and how much was different about everything in the world or you know in your life or it with the Orioles five years ago you know Dan Duquette was still the general manager Buck Showalter was the manager the Orioles were on their way to a 47 and 115 record. None of us had ever heard of COVID. Uh, you know, uh, if, if you're a little older than me, you maybe have like kids who are reaching milestones in their lives. If you're about my age or younger, maybe you've had kids in those five years. It's, uh, you know, you might have bought a house. You might have gotten a pet that wasn't there. A lot happens in five years. So just even thinking, okay, Maybe if things go well, these guys are going to debut in 2028. It's crazy. Like, pretty much everybody who debuted for the Orioles earlier than Adley Rutschman is going to reach free agency before the 2028 season. So even if the Orioles are entering a successful era and the 2023 Orioles roster ends up being a memorable and good Orioles roster, the vast majority of it is going to be gone by the time Braylon Tavera and Leandro Arias maybe make the roster if there's a modestly successful outcome and they pan out entirely. It's crazy to really think about. And, you know, they're they're far down. I'm going to keep an eye on them because, well, it's my job for Cam to chat. But also, I mean, I'm an Orioles fan, and it's just fun to see how the prospects are doing. And, you know, uh, as I've said in a past episode, it's just weird. We don't have any, like, learned experience of what it's like to follow – international signings because the Orioles were not making significant signings before Mike Elias came along. And now that's uh, what's happening. And hopefully these guys and ones who were signed before them and ones who were signed after are able to make some stock for themselves. Uh, If not to eventually help the Orioles, then maybe to help them one day as trade pieces. So that's all I've got for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, subscribe on your favorite platform and leave a rating or review or tell an Orioles fan in your life about the show. New episodes will be out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning, so I will be back with you on Monday morning, hopefully with a good home series against the Kansas City Royals to talk about so I can have a happy Monday podcast instead of a grumpy one. In between now and then, you can leave a comment for me on camdenchat.com. There I go by the name EatMoreSK in the comments, and you can also tweet at me at camdenchat on Twitter. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. Until next time, go O's.